It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You are Locked On Balls, your daily Tennessee Volunteers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Balls, your team every day. My name is Josh Ward. It is the first episode of 2019. I hope everybody has had a great start to the new year. Thanks for being here today as we're back to talk about what's going on with Tennessee football. The offense coordinator search continues on Monday's episode, I talked about a candidate who might end up being Tennessee's guy. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. I'll get to that in segment number one. In segment number two, I'm going to start to look ahead to 2019. So five players coming back on the offensive side that need to make some kind of jump for Tennessee's offense to be able to make big-time improvement this upcoming season. That, of course, without knowing who Tennessee's offense coordinator will be. I'll get to that in segment number two. And then in the third segment, this week is the 20-year anniversary of Tennessee winning the 1998 National Championship. It was January 4th of 1999 when Tennessee beat Florida State in the Fiesta Bowl. So I wanted to bring you a conversation I had with Fred White, who started at safety on that national championship team. I'll get to that in segment number three of Locked On Vols, your team every day, here every day talking about what's going on with Tennessee, available on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, the third-party apps, your smart device as well. It's Locked On Vols. So on Monday, I talked about the report from the 247 sports site covering Oklahoma State that Tennessee had offered Mike Yersich the offensive coordinator position. I should point out that nobody covering Tennessee reported that Tennessee had offered the job, at least that I saw. That had been reported on Oklahoma State side from the media there. Well, Mike Yersich, it does appear, is leaving Oklahoma State, but to join Ohio State's staff. As uh, it had been reported that Ohio State was interested, Austin Ward reported on Tuesday with LettermanRow.com that Yersich is expected to join Ohio State's staff, likely as the passing game coordinator, and Adam Rittenberg of ESPN also reported that Yursich will be joining the staff at Ohio State, will likely coach quarterbacks. So we're still waiting to see something officially happen, but you have multiple reports. Austin and Adam both do a great job covering college football, and Austin's been covering Ohio State for several years. And it looks like Mike Yursich is going to Ohio State. And if Ohio State was offering him a position... I can't say that I'm surprised that he would take it. With his connections to Ohio and with the status of Ohio State's program, with Urban Meyer leaving and Ryan Day taking over, that's a program that is competing at such a high level. And if Mike Yursich wants to be a head coach, it makes sense that joining that staff could give him an opportunity to do that here in the next couple of years. That could happen at Tennessee. Look at Tyson Helton. After a disappointing season, he still was able to land a head coaching job at Western Kentucky. But in comparing the two situations, Ohio State and Tennessee, 
it's pretty obvious that Ohio State is in better shape right now, right? So uh, with Ryan Day taking over, it probably looked like a good opportunity to Mike Yersich to head up there. I, I should also say that you know, he's going to a program where Ryan Day is going to be the leader of that offense. And you also have Kevin Wilson, who appears to be staying on staff in some kind of co-offensive coordinator position. So Yersich choosing Ohio State means he's not the guy running the offense. He's a part of what will be a really well-respected offensive staff. If Yersich were to have become the offense coordinator at Tennessee, he would have been the guy in charge of the offense. That does come back to questions about what is Jeremy Pruitt's involvement. And right now it does look like whichever coach takes over that position, he will likely inherit a staff. Right now, again, things can change. It appears that the rest of the offensive staff is going to be back. Will Friend coaching the offensive line, Chris Winkie coaching the running backs, and David Johnson coaching the wide receivers. Brian Niedermeyer coaching tight ends as well. There could be change as the coaching carousel is not finished spinning around college football. Probably not even close. But right now that's the expectation. So somebody coming in to be Tennessee's offense coordinator will inherit a staff. And there doesn't appear to be any indication right now that someone is going to be promoted from within. So where does that leave Tennessee? Well, the names that have been thrown out with the job are pretty limited. Steve Sarkeesian's name has been mentioned, and on Monday, Atlanta officially fired Steve Sarkeesian. Dan Quinn will remain with the Falcons as the head coach, but he fired the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and special teams coordinator. So Steve Sarkeesian is a free agent coach. They have the Alabama connection as Sarkeesian was on staff back in 2016 at Alabama while Jeremy Pruitt was the defensive coordinator. So Sarkeesian's name would be one to pay attention to. I don't know if there is a possibility that he would join Tennessee staff, but Jim Bob Cooter was let go by the Detroit Lions on Tuesday afternoon. Jim Bob is a former player at Tennessee, has been an offensive coordinator in the NFL the last few years, but I would also expect that Jim Bob Cooter is going to have some opportunities in the NFL. But I think it's worth mentioning his name that he has connections to Tennessee, and that he has served as an offensive coordinator at the highest level of football. At this point, we're at 37 days and counting in Tennessee's offensive coordinator search. There have been a lot thrown out there. If you go back to the very start of it, there was Hugh Freeze, Chip Lindsey, he went to Kansas. Freddie Kitchen's name was mentioned for a while, and technically he is still looking for a job next year. He's actually a potential candidate for the Cleveland Browns head coaching job. But there's not a lot of buzz right now around Freddie Kitchens to Tennessee. Kendall Bryles was mentioned with the job, and he's now the office coordinator at Florida State. Dan Enos was mentioned, but he is being promoted at Alabama, so he will stay on staff there with the Crimson Tide. Eli Drinkwitz's name was mentioned at one point when he was the office coordinator at North Carolina State. He got the head coaching job at Appalachian State. And then Mike Yersich has been a very popular name now for a few weeks, but he reportedly is headed to Ohio State. It's been an unusual coaching search. I don't think anybody would disagree with that at this point. It's been more than five weeks with Tennessee looking for a replacement for Mike Helton. We'll see when it ends. We'll see if any of these names that have been thrown out end up being connected. Could it be Steve Sarkeesian? Or will another name emerge here in the next couple of days? Jim Chaney's name has gotten some talk. The Georgia Offense coordinator, used to coach at Tennessee. He was at Tennessee under Lane Kiffin and Derek Dooley. I think he's a terrific offensive coordinator. He's somebody that I would not want to let go if I'm Georgia. 
and Georgia's season is now over after the Bulldogs played Texas last night. So if something were to happen with Jim Chaney, it could happen soon. But that's, a, again, a name that's being talked about out there. But as I said Monday, I'll say again today, and if Tennessee doesn't have anybody tomorrow, I'll repeat it then. I'm sure you and just about every Tennessee fan is ready to see somebody hired to replace Tyson Helton as Tennessee's offensive coordinator. This is Locked on Vols, your team every day. Coming up, I'll keep the conversation on the offensive side. We don't know yet who will be the offensive coordinator, but I'll go through five names of players that I think need to make a nice jump heading into 2019 to make Tennessee's offense better. Just about everybody has eligibility coming back and can help Tennessee be a better offense next year. I'll name five guys who need to do that. Coming up on Locked On Vols, today presented by Sling TV. Sling TV is a great option as you've probably been watching some bowl games this week and college basketball is now here. SEC play begins this week. If you just want to watch ESPN, the SEC, maybe the Pac-12, other conferences in action, check out Sling TV. For only $30 a month, you can get those channels and get rid of those useless channels that you're not watching on your current channel lineup. With Sling TV, you can stream very easily to your favorite viewing device, that flat screen on the wall or a tablet, a computer, whatever the case might be. They make it very easy to stream. You don't deal with contracts. There are no hidden fees with Sling TV, and you can get out at any time. No contract. So check out Sling TV and the seven-day free trial. Just go to sling.com slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com slash locked on they'll let you try it out for seven days see for yourself what you think with sling.com slash locked on it's Kubota orange day shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors zero turn mowers and utility vehicles including the number one selling compact tractor in the usa and now through june 30 get zero percent apr for 84 months or up to 3300 off select compact tractors See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. So Tennessee is still looking for an offense coordinator, but Tennessee's offensive players are getting ready for the winter workouts. The spring semester is about to begin. There will be some newcomers, and as time goes on, I'll look at the 2019 class and who can help Tennessee immediately But among players that are returning, I thought I'd name five guys that I think need to take a big step forward this offseason to make Tennessee's offense much better in 2019 on the field. I'm going to start with an obvious name, and that's Jarrett Garantano. And he is waiting to see who his new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach will be. Whether Tennessee brings somebody in or ultimately decides to promote from within, there will still be a new quarterbacks coach, and that will be his fourth in four seasons at Tennessee. I thought Garantano made a nice leap from his redshirt freshman season to his sophomore season this past fall. You probably heard me kind of defend Jarrett Garantano a number of times this past season. But that does not mean that Jarrett Garantano is perfect. Not even close. He has a lot of improving to do. uh, Reading defenses, understanding pre-snap what he needs to do. Uh, I'd say that he can probably be better in the way that he prepares day-to-day getting ready for uh, each upcoming Saturday. And I don't mean that as a knock. I'm just saying, you know, he's still just heading into his redshirt junior year. He has two years of eligibility. I would expect that there's a lot of improvement that he can do in the way that he prepares. If he does that, if he has a better understanding of everything that's going on the field, he has the ability to deliver the football. And 
there are only so many things he can control. He, he can't control the protection that he's going to receive. The offensive line has to get a lot better, and I'm going to get to that in a moment. But Garantano's preparation and his ability to direct an offense could be a big deal for Tennessee if he makes the kind of jump that he did from 2017 to 2018 this upcoming year, then I think Garantano can be a really good player in the SEC. So Jared Garantano is number one on the list. Number two for me, Marquez Callaway. And Callaway might be a little bit of a surprising name because he's already been a high-level player, I think, within Tennessee's offense. But I think his potential is to be an all-SEC-level player. It's going to take some work to be there because you're going to continue to see really good receivers in the conference. Several of those guys Tennessee will be playing next year. But Callaway has played a lot of football. Remember going into the 2017 season, he didn't really have much experience. And then after that Georgia Tech game, we talked about what his ability was, and he became the guy with the injury to what Juwan Jennings. Now let's see if Callaway can become a complete wide receiver and if he can make more big plays in the offense this upcoming season. I think a lot of the time he was the clear number one target for Garantano. And if Garantano and Callaway can both progress nicely this offseason, well, then Tennessee's offense, I think, can make a big jump this upcoming season. Tennessee, I, I thought, was pretty good at that wide receiver position this year. Not elite, not perfect, again, by any means. But I thought David Johnson did a nice job coaching that wide receiver group. And another year with his guidance, and now heading into his fourth season, I don't think anybody questions Callaway's toughness either. He can go make plays for Tennessee's offense, and Tennessee will need that. The next two players are both going to be on the offensive line. And let's be honest, I could choose any of the players from the offensive line and say, yeah, he needs to improve greatly. But I'm going to choose two guys here. One is Jerome Carvin. Remember, he played some this past year, started some this past year as a true freshman, and was in and out of the lineup. And I think that can kind of take away from the conversation. I think when you see a guy go out there and play and then he's replaced— it can limit what we see as his potential. But what if Carvin had come in and not played as a true freshman? What if he had redshirted this past year? The unknown element, I think, would elevate the conversation around what he could become. That experience, I think, as a true freshman should be very valuable for Jerome Carvin, who now has another full offseason to go. He came in last spring, and I thought impressed coaches. Then he suffered a foot injury during the summer, which limited his ability to capitalize on the spring heading into the fall. If Carvin's able to have another productive offseason, both in the weight program with Craig Fitzgerald and then on the practice field, then Carvin could carve out a starting position. He's just heading into his sophomore season. He was very much coveted as a prospect. He chose Tennessee over Florida and Mississippi State. In the end, if Carvin can have a nice offseason, he could establish himself as a higher-level player in his sophomore season. The other one would be Jameer Johnson. Jameer came in in the summer this past year and quickly added weight, but not enough. He needs to add more weight. When we talk about the off-season program and working with the strength coaches, Jameer Johnson could benefit from that as much as anybody on the team. And the fact that he was able to go out there and still start throughout the season clearly shows that he impressed coaches with his ability. And if he's able to get bigger, get stronger, then perhaps he could be a more reliable player. If both of those guys, Jerome Carvin and Jameer Johnson, can have quality off-seasons, then I think the potential for the offensive line can improve. There's going to be a lot of competition 
Wanya Morris is going to have something to say about a starting position. If Tennessee is able to land Darnell Wright, which it's, I would say, expected to do, then he's going to have something to say about a starting position. If Trey Smith can come back, then he will as well. Don't forget Brandon Kennedy's coming back from an ACL surgery, and then Ryan Johnson. There will be competition, but Jameer Johnson and Jerome Carvin are two guys who will absolutely have a chance to start this upcoming year. And my fifth offensive player to watch this offseason with Tennessee hoping they make a big jump is tight end Dominique Wood-Anderson. I think as the season went along when he came back from a midseason injury, we saw Wood-Anderson more involved in a way that I expected early on in the season. He is a legitimate SEC athlete at tight end. He will have had a full offseason to have an even better understanding of what Tennessee expects of him being coached by Brian Niedermeyer will probably become a better blocker as well because that still is a big part of the conversation. We look at the box score and see how many catches he had and how many plays he made in the passing game. Tennessee's coaches will also say, Wood Anderson and the tight ends overall, they need to be better blockers. They need to help Tennessee in pass protection and in the run game. So that'll be an important part of Dominique Wood Anderson's game. But he can be a playmaker. And Tennessee has skill talent. I include Wood Anderson in that conversation to help Jared Garantano Wood Anderson, I think, could become an all-SEC level player. Remember, he chose Tennessee a year ago over Alabama and Texas A&M. He was a very much coveted athlete in the 2018 class, and he could have a big second season at tight end for Tennessee. And if he does, Tennessee's offense could make a big jump. So five players on the offensive side who need to have a good offseason for Tennessee to make a big leap on that side of the ball. Jarrett Garantano, wide receiver Marquez Callaway, offensive lineman Jerome Carvin and Jameer Johnson, and then tight end Dominique Wood-Anderson. Thanks for being here on Locked On Vols. Coming up in just a moment, Fred White, who started on the 1998 National Championship team, started at safety next to Deion Grant, will talk about that team and why it was such a special group. It'll probably tell you what Jeremy Pruitt is trying to build in Knoxville. I'll get to that right here on Locked on Vols, which remember is available every day on Apple Podcasts. If you have time to rate and review the show, please do so. Five-star ratings are always very helpful. And if you have rated and reviewed the show, big thanks. It, It really does help. And spread the word to anybody you think might be interested in the daily Tennessee podcast, Locked on Vols, which is also available on Google, Spotify, the third-party apps. I'm on Twitter, at Josh underscore Ward. Send me a message, a question or comment for the show anytime. I'm going to work some listener questions into tomorrow's show. So, at Josh underscore Ward on Twitter or Facebook.com slash Josh Ward. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. So back in September, I had a chance to talk to Fred White before Tennessee played Florida. Remember, the 98 National Championship team was honored during that game. And Fred is a guy that is very passionate about Tennessee football. He's from the state of Georgia. He came to Tennessee to play and has carried that passion with him for the last 20 years. He's also maintained very strong relationships with his teammates. That's a big part of it. When you talk about Vol for Life, VFL, Fred White was calling himself a VFL long before a program was started by Derek Dooley. He really cares about the players who played at Tennessee. 
So I wanted to bring you my conversation with Fred White, and the first thing I asked him was, what do you think about when that 98 team is brought up and you think back to that special season? I can still hear Mr. John Ward say, the national champion is clad and big orange. And, you know, it was a special moment. It was all the hard work. It was also the dedication to your teammates, man, and everything we fought through in that season. Um, had some players that probably never had passed away or something that happened in their family or somebody was going through something and we played for each other. And it was like something different every week. And it was like, man, every time I hear 98, it's one of the best moments of my life. And the brotherhood, the friendships are still the same as they were back in the day. And most of them have grown, you know. And it's the respect that we still get. It's the honor of being a part of that team. I mean, it's everything, man. And it's, it's special. It's like so real, you know? Yeah, and with you guys being honored, it, I'm, I'm sure you're excited to be together and everything, but it's not like it's going to be the first time you've talked to these guys in a long time. You, you guys have kept that relationship, those relationships going for the last 20 years. I mean, is, is that part of it? How much does that say about how special that team was that – 20 years later, I think you still call those guys brothers as much as you call them teammates. Absolutely. Same thing. I mean, that kid's called us uncles. I mean, you know, so it's, it's insane, man. It's, it's, it's so great to be like, you walk into the airport and you run into one of your former teammates and you both about to miss your flight because you sat there and talked for so long. I mean, like we've seen each other, you know, it's like we've been in a locker room for years, you know what I mean? So every time we see each other, that goes back that same thing. It goes back to being 18, 19, 20, 21 years old again. It could be 10 years I haven't talked to a guy or haven't seen him. But we've talked on the phone. So it's like I've seen him yesterday. You know what I mean? So like Gerald Griffin and and Jermaine Copeland and Derek Edmonds and you know, Dwayne Goodridge and like some of these, you know, I haven't seen Derek in probably two or three years. Before then it may maybe been about five or six. Like we talk, and nothing's safe. And our relationship still the same. You know what I mean? Like we still have conversations. We still laugh and joke and talk. You know, crack jokes like we did in the locker room. But it's the same feeling, man. Like I said, it takes you back to being in that locker room back in that season. So, Fred, if we go back to that season, talking to Fred White, starting safety on the 1998 National Championship team, how big was that Florida game? It was a terrific game. How big was that for you guys to realize, hey, we can be a really good team this year? It was monumental in the fact that we felt like we could beat Florida, and no one else gave us a, really gave us any chance to win the game. And just knowing that not here, you beat Florida. You can get, you can win every game this year, and that's how it was almost every year I played there. I mean, you got to think about it: ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight, shoot, ninety nine. If you win that Florida game, you know you're in the driver's seat to get to the championship. And not only that, you're on a path to go to the national championship. And for us, that was a monumental thing because we had not beat Florida. It's been four years, man. It's been four years we hadn't beat Florida. And you finally get over that hump. But no one actually really gave you a chance to win it. And it's special. It, it was probably the biggest win of the entire season. 
including the national championship. Because you know, if you don't beat Florida, you don't you don't make the national championship. We lose one game that season. We're not even in the. We're not even in it. Not even close. So that was the most important game of the season. And for me, it's still the bigger game of the season. I remember every play in that game. You can give me a time snap, and I can probably tell you what was happening. I mean, I've seen the game so many times. I've watched the National Championship game a few times, and it's still fuzzy on what actually happened. You know what I mean? Like, that was more surreal. That Florida was more like it was a rivalry. It was two teams going at it. And it always been a battle. And to just, it was, a, it was almost a, a finally. Finally, we've beaten Florida. Finally, people understand what, you know, how good we are. Finally, we got a chance to get over the hump. That was the most important game of the season. Fred, why were you guys so good in 1998? Why was your team as good as it was? I, I don't tell you this. 98 wasn't the best team we played on. I got here in 19, you know, left in 96. I registered in 95. And the teams that I played on, I think 95 was a better football team. Man, I think 96 was a better football team. Top to bottom when it comes to talent. I think 98 had the best chemistry. And that's how we won. 98 had the best chemistry. We actually really, we believed in each other. And no one really, think about something. We lost Peyton Manning, Leonard Little, um, Marcus Nash, Terry Fair, Jonathan Brown, Tori Noel, Corey Gaines, Andy McCullough. Like, we lost 16 seniors that year. 16. Nobody's expected for us to win anything. Nobody. And we look around the room, and it's like, you know, they tell you not to read your press. It's hard not to. And people were literally telling us, <laughs> we weren't going to be good. And I specifically remember people telling us that the second day was the weakest link. And we're looking around the room with each other, and we're like, shoot, I still see some football players. I still see some top talent. We got to keep in mind, painting uh, those guys with a number one recruiting class in 94. 95, who were the number two recruiting class? 96, number one recruiting class. 97, number two recruiting class. So 98 was a stacked football team. We just reloaded. You know what I mean? Like, we literally reloaded. We didn't – that was it. And people didn't really – I don't think people realized what we actually had on our football team. So we really reloaded, man, and, and the chemistry. We played for each other. The closest you saw that you see today, we were the same way back then. And I'll tell anybody, I don't care how much talent you have on your football team, if the chemistry is off, you will not win the championship. And we had better teams for our talent goals throughout that whole time I had been in school. However, this is a team, although very albeit very talented, we just didn't have the recognition because we had so many guys that were actually playing in front of us they had the name recognition and that next season of course those guys we did but as you can see we didn't win the championship in 99 we won it in 98 and that 98 team just it was a will it was a want to it was let me prove to the world that we can get this done and that same chemistry is the reason why we're all friends to this day 
former Tennessee safety Fred White and that chemistry that he was talking about. Of course, you need the players, you need the Jimmys and Joes. That's what Jeremy Pruitt is looking for. In the final two games of the season, that game against Missouri, that game against Vanderbilt, I don't know that Tennessee had enough fight. Tennessee needs more of that. Tennessee needs the leadership that it had back in 98 or the mid to late 90s when Tennessee was playing for and winning championships. That's what Alabama has right now. That's what Georgia has. That's what a lot of the top programs in the country have. That's what Tennessee is trying to find. It's going to take some time, but I think that's what Jeremy Pruitt is looking for. That's going to do it for Locked On Vols. Thanks for being here today. The offensive coordinator search continues. Whether Tennessee has one tomorrow or not, I'll be back to talk about it and everything else going on. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you here tomorrow. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.